pray together. Lord, these are more than song words that we sing. We know that you are here with us this day. We know that nothing stops you from gathering with us as we gather together in the name of our Savior, Jesus. And we know that nothing stops you from doing what you do when we trust you. Because where you are, you bring life. You bring hope. You bring heat and peace. Father, as we gather in the name of our Savior this day, we come recognizing that we cannot do this. You have to do it. We humble ourselves before you. We lift up the name of the one whose name is above every name because he is the one who can. So today, Father, as your people, I pray you would pour out your spirit and your work in us for all the weights of life, for all the wounds, for every trial, every uncertainty, every spiritual attack where the enemy wants to take away our assurance of life and hope and peace and replace it with worry and anxiety and depression and despair. Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would do a powerful work in the hearts of every person that turns to you by faith. Make us more your people this day. I know we're already completely yours, but somehow we don't quite surrender to it. We don't quite understand it. We don't quite follow you like you are the answer. Today, Father, I pray you would take us further in our faith with you than we ever have gone before. Keep building us. Keep being patient with us. Keep leading us. Keep showing us your faithfulness and your goodness. Keep convincing us that our, our, our trust in you is not misplaced, that it is the only place that it is sure, and that our end is in your hands, and our end is beyond what we can imagine. So we can endure, and we can go forward, and we can live with joy, and we can believe in miracles from our God, because you are good. So today, Father, do this work amongst us. We turn our hearts to you. Speak to us. Move in us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Have a seat this morning. I am so glad that you are here today on this beautiful, amazing day uh, here at the beginning of June. It is a busy day for us. There's a lot of stuff going on, and we're going to have something in just a minute, uh, a window in our Hope Kids ministry. Before I have them come up, I just want to say welcome to all of you. If you are new or newer, I want to invite you to make sure you stop at our guest center. We have a gift for you. We want to welcome you. We want to get to know you. Um, we'd like for you to get to know us a little bit. We want to help you in any way we can. So that's just through these doors in the lobby. Uh, for the rest of us, I'm so glad that you're here today. I believe what we just sang, and I believe what I just prayed that God is here and that he wants to do a work in your soul. A work maybe that you thought was impossible, a work beyond what is possible for us, but a work that God can do. And many of us have experienced that, haven't we? The miracles of God in our lives around this place. And that is, that is a testimony. And that is something you're invited to step into. I would be glad to see and glad to help in any way that I can, uh, the way that God does that. Today is a special focus just for a few minutes before we get to John 17 on our kids ministry. I'm going to invite Ryan and Kara to come on up. Uh, and they're going to give us a little bit of taste as we jump into the summer and all the things that are going on in the summer. A chance for us as a church to own what God, where God is pouring his power out in this place, which partially is in our kids ministry. And... Uh, you all right? Yep. All right, good. All right, so Ryan Kara, take it away. 
All right, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, I am here today, we are here today to talk briefly about Hope Kids, our mission. Um, a couple of exciting things we're gonna talk about today. A couple of, vid two videos, count them, one, two videos that we're gonna get to watch. Um, I have been on this stage before to talk about this before. You have probably heard this message from me before, and you're hearing it again because it's, it remains important. It remains critical, it remains crucial to remember our children. Sometimes I just want to remind you who I am and so you can see my face because I know I'm not in here a lot, but the, the message, the mission of Hope Kids Ministry kind of still lies in that verse that we talk about a lot and it's Proverbs 22.6, which I've read to you before, I'm gonna read to you again. It's start children off on the way they should go and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Do you hear the challenge in that verse? If you don't, I'm gonna say it louder. <laughs> Start children up in the way they should go. Train them up, another translation, train them up. Guide them on the way they should go. Not just your kids, the kids in your life, the kids in your community, the kids in your area of influence. That's a good way of thinking of it. The area of people that you, if you there are kids in your sphere, that you have influence on, then there are things you could do to train them up in the way they should go. And what does that mean? Well, what's the way you should go? Mm. You should, you know that answer. I think you do. Even when you don't quite hit the mark, I know that personally, even when we don't quite hit the mark of doing what we, we know we're supposed to do, we know what it is. And guys, it's actually sometimes easier to train a kid up in the way they should go than to do it the right way yourself although it does start there, and it also helps. You can ask any of our Hope Kids volunteers, if you are helping train kids up in the way they should go, you kind of end up walking that path with them because there's no other way to do it. There's no other way to do it. And that's what our mission is. That's why we have kids ministry at this church. That's why it's so important. That's why there's two of us. Because all of the kids in all those age groups, uh, they need us, all of us, to help show them where to go. Uh, parenting is a tricky thing to talk about because it's really personal. And now that I have a kid, it's much easier to talk about. Because <laughs> before when I was telling people what they were doing wrong, they were like, who are you? You don't even have a kid. Now I'm like, look at the mistakes I'm making. That's great. Now let's talk about the real thing, right? But there are things that I do specifically because I feel like I didn't get that when I was younger. Um, and I... Love my parents to death, but I'm just saying, when I look at Junie and I try to make decisions for her, my, my daughter, Juniper, there are things, like, she is eating way healthier than I ever did and way healthier than I currently do <laughs> because I just know, hey, this is like, I could start her off in, in the way she should go in that path. I, you know, she's going to church already. I didn't go to church when I was that young. She's in classrooms. There are people in her life that are teaching her already. I had mentors. I didn't get them until later in life. There are advantages to starting earlier. And I'm showing her that way because it's important, because it's valuable, and because I know where I want her to go, and it's to Jesus. Do we yeah. want our kids to go to Jesus? Amen. We, then we got we to gotta show them the way because they're not going to learn it somewhere else. Yeah. They're not going to learn it somewhere else. So... That's the mission. That's what we want to do for you is we want to help you. All right, we want to help you. And in order for us to help you, let, for you to let us help you, 
I have a message from my assistant yeah. kids pastor, Kara. <laughs> Good morning, church. Um, yes, yeah, so as, as Ryan was saying, our, our like bottom line mission for our kids is sharing God's redeeming work with every kid we can, right? And, and because we believe it, Pastor Ryan and I believe it, and all of our Hope Kids ministry volunteers believe it so much, I'm telling you, your kids want to be in their classrooms, even if they might cry at the beginning or try to get used to it and they're maybe not comfortable right off the bat, they're going to want to be in there because what we're doing matters so much to us. Um, our teams begin pouring into our kids and sharing Jesus' love with them, starting with our youngest babies in our nursery one, which was just uh, recently only three weeks old. Um, in our Wonder Zone, we've got the three basic truths that we teach every Sunday from Nursery one, our babies all the way up through our preschool. God made you, God loves you, Jesus wants to be your friend forever. Do you believe those things for our kids? Do you believe them for you, right? <laughs> right, we believe these things. And so in order to teach these things to our children, we use age-appropriate songs, we use video lessons, activities, um, things in the classroom that promote active learning, support and understanding of how the Bible connects to a preschooler's real life, a toddler's real life, even our like youngest ones, they're real lives, right? Um, so it is truly essential, I think we all probably believe it, for our kids to learn and grow in knowing Jesus. Do we believe that? Yes, yes right? So when we put our, our little ones, including even just our babies, into our Hope Kids classroom, it really sets a foundation for their faith uh, as, we can, as they continue to grow. Um, and it allows you, parents, the opportunity for you to invest in your own faith. Um, and the most important relationship you have, the relationship with Christ. Um, as parents, it's easy uh, to feel like your number one role is mom or dad, especially when your two-year-old says, mom, 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 a hundred times a day, right? You're not there yet, but it's coming. And it starts to feel like that's my biggest job and that's my biggest role. But believers, as, as people of faith, our number one role, our first role is child of God right? And your children look to you as an example of what that means. What does it look like to be his child? So by showing them that you prioritize being here, putting them in their classrooms to help them build that trust with our teachers and our, our, our kids volunteers, for you spending a service, uh, investing in your own faith, you're teaching them what it looks like to trust in Jesus. Um, and so we value that. That's why we do what we do um, in Hope Kids. And I got a secret for you, and it's that we teach your kids from the same Bible that you're learning from in here. Uh, it, 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 and it, in, in the go zone, we don't, we don't cut corners. We don't, we don't hide from, the, from some of the spookier stuff that's in there. Uh, just last week, me and my small group leaders were tasked with asking our elementary kids the question, what questions do you have? <laughs> that was fun, right, Parker? <laughs> and we got some real ones and we talked about some real stuff and we do that more often than you think. So I want you just to know, trust that we are doing real ministry back there. It's, it's called kids ministry. I don't want you to get that confused. Sometimes in, in the world that we live in, kids stuff is just like smaller stuff. We're doing big stuff back there and, and you want the kids in your life to be a part of that. And just to give you a peek of what that looks like, we have a video for you to watch. by you forever I'm 
That was my favorite of the worship songs that we did in the Go Zone this year. I just just love it. It's such a good song. Uh, and the kids really shout it. You may have heard them if you were going to the bathroom at a certain time. <laughs> um, but in that video, we saw a lot of volunteers, a lot of smiling, happy volunteers, and they were not just posing for pictures, okay? Uh, the volunteers are awesome, and they have such a good time, and it's so valuable. And I especially love having volunteers who's, have no kids in the program because there is something special about taking time for kids that are not your own, uh, especially when your kid's not even in the room and being willing to sacrifice that time. So I want you to know that we want volunteers. We need more volunteers all the time. And there is a table at the back where you can fill out a card to say that you would like to join our Hope Kids team. At the end of that video, you also saw some videos and pictures from VBS last year. And today, first of all, today is the first official day for you to be able to sign up for this year's VBS, which is super exciting. We're very excited about that. The theme is stellar, Shine Jesus Light. It's space themed, that's why I'm wearing my astronaut t-shirt. All right, we've got a space shuttle in the back corner if you haven't seen it. And there are signs there for you to scan QR codes to sign up to be a volunteer for VBS, which some people have asked me, so that's how you, it's starting, so go sign up. All right, we need all hands on deck for VBS. That is a really easy win. It's easy win to do volunteering because it's fun and exciting, and it's got a dead, like an end date. <laughs> if you just wanna tip your dough in the, to toe, your dough. If you just wanna tip, dip your toe, where am I? Dip your toe in the water, <laughs> then volunteer for VBS. It's a great experience for everyone. It's also an easy invite, all right? We're opening child registration as well. Child registration starts today. If you register a child today, 
we will give you a drawstring backpack for that child or any of the children that you sign up today that looks like this. I was going to wear it, but it looked too small and silly on my back. So if you would like your kids to look cool, not me, not necessarily you, but the children, sign them up and we will give you, we have bags back there while supplies last, the people, so sign up soon, your kids will get these, okay? Um, that is what I've got for you today. VBS, volunteer, sign up, kids, invite them, put them in the go zone, put them in the toddler's room, bring them to VBS. It's all incredibly important. It's all for Jesus in the name of him. All right, thank you. And we have a video for VBS as well. That looks fun, doesn't it? Yeah. Kind of looks out of this world. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Uh, I, we are so excited about VBS this summer. I know that's one of the highlights of our year. Kids ministry, honestly, kids ministry is one of the highlights of our ministry. It's one of the things I'm so glad that we do and we do it well. We need help. I'm, I'm thankful, deeply grateful for every person who takes a turn and is involved in it. But we need all hands on deck for VBS. We need everybody involved in kids ministry. So check in. Let's sign up. Let's make this thing as good as it can possibly be uh, because of what we're talking about here in, in the book of John. We're talking about one night with Jesus, Jesus' words to world changers. We're going to be in John 17 today. Uh, and I want to talk about these words from Jesus because they have so much to say about how we live this life and they have so much to say about how we raise our kids. Think about it with me. If you, if you are of any kind of age, uh, you know, adulthood age, you've been around for a while, you can probably, uh, from firsthand experience, either agree or disagree with me, but I think you probably agree with me. Once upon a time, you taught kids to do the right thing in our culture because they wouldn't really be functional in the society, which was largely moral and Bible-saturated. And so you taught them to do the right thing so that they could be a part of this culture. Those who did what was wrong or, or what most thought to be against the Bible were shamed or marked out. And, and 
however right or wrong or good or bad you think that might be, I think we all agree that is clearly no longer the case. Would you agree with me? We're, we're not in that world anymore, right? So church, I think that asks us a question. If that's not the world we're in and these young ones are growing up or we're just trying to live our life here, what are we gonna do about that? The Bible is not the guide for most people in our culture. And there's not really any chance that our kids, whether you have kids here or not, we all own the ministry that we have to these kids. Whether you have kids or not, there's not really any chance that the kids that we are called to minister to will get even a basic Bible understanding without a deliberate choice to teach them. Do we agree? Now, I personally, I know I'm a pastor, so I'm supposed to think, I personally think it's important that kids know the word of God. I actually, this is crazy too, I actually think it's really important that you know the word of God. So because of that, I think we have to take a, a, a look in the mirror. I believe many of us don't feel like we really know the Bible and probably even more of us don't live like we know it or we understand it or we believe it. So what do we do about that? These words that Jesus talks about here, he says these on the night of the Last Supper to a room full of men who go out and change the world. And, and I think we're all agreeing and we're all believing that our world still needs this kind of transforming change. So we're looking at these words from Jesus and we want to take them to heart so that the same power that was in the disciples that changed the world flows through ordinary people like us. Because it's not about you and me being some kind of special anything. It's about the same God who changed the world through people who didn't have anything more than we have, actually had a lot less than we have, can still fill us to change this world. And by faith, I say that's true. Not like possible or I hope so. I'm crossing my I believe that's true. So then it says to me, what are we going to do about it? Every time we've had a, a, a discussion in this one night series, I've said, I've given a summary at the beginning, change the world by, change the world by being people of peace, people of joy, change the world by being servant hearted, change the world by, today I want to talk about change the world by being changed people. Being changed people. So we're in chapter 17. We're in the prayer that Jesus is praying to his father in front of his disciples. I want to read verse 13 because he says this. I am coming to you now. He's talking to his father. I'm coming to you now. My, the, the end of my time is here from, from earth. Not this second, but just like he said, this is the hour. I'm coming to you. Now the time is here for me to leave this world. But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. So that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Jesus says, while I'm here, I'm going to say these things so that my disciples, and by extension, we'll see later, you would have the full measure of joy within you. In the chapters that we have read, this is the third time, third time that Jesus says he wants his disciples to be full of joy. It's almost like he actually wants you to be full of joy. He keeps saying it. He keeps praying for it. It's almost like Jesus wants you to live a life filled with joy. In fact, it's even described in Galatians 5 as a part of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, you can think, well, Jesus wants me to have joy, but my life looks like he doesn't. 
I promise you, the Lord's intention and desire for your life, for every person who follows him, is for them to live joy-filled. And if you're a Christian and that's not your experience, you got to get to work. You got to find out what's going on. Because I believe Jesus knows what he's talking about. Maybe you missed something. Maybe you misunderstood something. Maybe you were led down a wrong path. Maybe you found it hard to hold on to hope or you gave in to fear or worry. But there's some reason you're not experiencing what Jesus prayed for you to experience. And think about this. Jesus is praying to his father for you. I want their joy to be complete. Let me just ask you two questions. Do you think the father heard him? Anybody like got questions about, I don't know, maybe God was like asleep. That, no, the father heard him, right? Second question, do you think the father is ready to answer Jesus's prayer? So that means if Jesus prayed for our joy to be complete and he asked the father for him to make our joy complete, that there's, there's only the understanding of what does it take for me to receive what our father wants to give, Right? He said, I say these things. He's talking about all the stuff we've discussed up to this point. You know, the hour has come. I'm going. I'm coming to you. The conversations that we've been studying through this whole night, the foot washing, to love one another as I've loved you, to do not let your hearts be troubled, to I am the vine and you are the branches, to the spirit is coming, to I leave you peace, not like the world has. All of the things I've said, Jesus said, I've said all these things so that their joy would be complete. P.S. Joy does not come the way the world tells you joy comes. World, the world has an idea about what helps us enjoy life. But joy that Jesus is praying for does not come simply by doing what we see others doing, following definitions of fun that are advertised for us by people who don't follow Jesus. Let's keep going, right? Verses 14 to 16, because this is the point I want us to see from Jesus today. He says this, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So as Jesus says, I pray that their joy will be complete. The next thing he talks about is that our life and our joy do not come from us following this world. Believers, this is your battle. This is the lines of definition about whether your joy will be complete or your joy will be less and you'll always feel like you have to chase it. I'm telling you this morning from, from heaven's authority through Jesus Christ here that your life would not have more joy or your life would not have complete joy if you had more money. That is not the problem. Your, your life would not have complete joy if your kids just listened to you. That is not the issue. Or if your job appreciated you. Or if you were in a relationship. Or if you were in a relationship with a different person. Like your joy does not come from the things that the world tells you joy comes from. Your joy comes from your heavenly father. And I don't know if it blows your mind, but he said this twice in those three verses. They are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Do you see how distinct we are? He's like, you don't belong to the world any more than Jesus belongs to the world. So what percentage of Jesus belonging to the world would you put on that? Zero to 100, what percentage would you put on that? 
Same percentage for you. You do not belong to this world. You won't find life in this world. You won't find hope in this world. It won't resonate with your soul. You won't be good following this world because you don't belong to it. It's not who you are. It's not who you've been made to be. There is a lie from the enemy that wants to destroy you by convincing you that you are what you used to be. But in Jesus, all things are made new. You are a new creation and you do not belong to this world anymore. So the things of this world that feel heavy to others, we as believers are able to shake off because this is not who I am. This is not where I belong. This is not my home. This is not my country. This is not my hope. But that's not how we live, is it? And then we say, well, I said Jesus wants me to have joy, but he should start fixing things in my life if he wants me to have joy. Well, let me ask you, what's about to happen to Jesus? Everything's going, and his life is going to get fixed over the next 24 hours? So we mistake what it means to have joy because we follow a world we don't belong to. Jesus says the world hates them. The world hates them because... We follow Jesus and they don't. No matter how many times people try to connect Jesus to worldly power or worldly success or wealth or whatever, the problem is not that they're not properly applying scripture. The problem goes much deeper than that. It is that they are of the world and Jesus isn't and therefore we aren't either. Whenever the people of God who belong to a system or who belong to, to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords interact with a system that rejects God and his righteousness and his power and his rule and his revelation, there is going to be conflict. There's going to be a divergence. There's going to be a difference of opinion. You're like, well, the world hates me because I'm a Christian. Maybe not. Maybe the world hates you because you're not nice, <laughs> right? This is not a license to be like, well, I'm going to be hated, so I might as well go out there and take advantage of it. That's not the idea. You're not supposed to be hated because you have no manners, right? You are hated. We are in conflict because we live for a different world than they do. And then Jesus says this, don't take them out of the world. He's building to what we're going to read in the next verse. Don't take them out of the world. So if we live for a different world and the world hates us, we are living for a different kingdom. This is a very interesting thing. And I think it's kind of challenging as we talk, especially about our kids, because parents would like to insulate and isolate their children from everything that could possibly harm them, right? Jesus says, these disciples who will be hated, don't take them out of the world. Now, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting, I think we have to, to digest this, but I'm not suggesting that you just let your kids be exposed to whatever. I think there's all kinds of dangers out there in the world. I cannot tell you how, how deeply it troubles me, the, the impact and the effect of things like uh, cell phones on kids. It is well, well documented that exposure to pornography before puberty has devastating effects on things like sexual violence, sexual deviance, sexual addiction. So I'm not saying you just leave them in the world and let them be exposed to all of it. But I do want you to understand, Jesus said their goal, your goal in raising them and your goal in living is not to be isolated from the world. It's something else. Untouched by the world, uninfluenced by the world, but not isolated from it. Don't take them out of the world. 
Jesus doesn't want his fathers to remove his followers from the world. He wants his followers to live right in the middle of the world. Why is that? Why does God want you here? Could he take you home if he wanted to? So why does he want you here? I think that's a better operating question for your week this week than most of the things that will drive your week this week. Why are you here instead of there? Jesus prays, don't take them out of the world. Instead, protect them from the evil one. Believers, there is an enemy with plans to destroy your hope, to crush your life, to douse your light. And in ways big or small, he will try anything he can to get you to yield to the pain to the emptiness that comes when you don't trust Jesus. He will do literally anything. He will convince you of your self-righteousness. He will convince you that you are totally flawed and broken, can never be redeemed. He will convince you that you have to run faster. He will convince you that you can't run fast enough and you've just got to be a loser. Like he will do anything to take your light away. Because he loves the darkness and you're light. That's why you need to be in the world. Because the world needs light. If the world were illuminated and you turned on a little flashlight, it doesn't do much. But in the dark, a light does a lot, doesn't it? And you are a light. Protect them from the evil one. I pray that maybe this morning the Lord will give you a little glimpse into the battle of your life with the evil one that the father is trying to protect you from and you keep like trying to, you know how toddlers like, like, get away from me, mom and dad, I got something I want to do. And you're like, yeah, but that's death. So let's not, right? Like anybody know the experience? So the, the father's trying to hold you like back from the evil one and you just keep going over that way. I pray that the father would give you insight into it because maybe that's why your joy is so elusive. Maybe it's why you feel so powerless in life. The evil one does not want you to live with joy complete. The evil one does not want you to live as a light in the darkness, but your heavenly father does. And your savior prayed for you, continuing that prayer. Instead of living, following the world. And in order to follow Jesus, we need to be, here's the word, sanctified, sanctified. This is what Jesus says, verse 17. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus' prayer for you is that you would be sanctified. He's connected this to complete joy. You would be sanctified. Complete joy comes from being sanctified. What does that mean? We have a whole doctrine in Christianity called sanctification. The word usually refers to being made holy. So we think of it as becoming more and more like Jesus, getting more and more of, of the wrong stuff out of our lives and more and more of the right stuff in, becoming more holy, right? But then Jesus finishes this by saying, I sanctify myself. So that can't be the definition we use here because Jesus was already perfect, right? So it's a different use of this world word. And the word, the reason we use sanctified for being, getting more and more sin out of our life because the word sanctify or word make holy is set apart, from. We're not talking about people being made clean. We're talking about people who are set apart from this world while they are in this world. 
People who don't live like this world, even though they live in this world. Does that describe us? That's who we are. That's who we're supposed to be. It means that maybe, maybe later on today or tomorrow, you're going to go to a job. I'm going to tell you, it's nice to have a job that feels like it has purpose to it, but your job, Christian, your job is not your purpose. And if you have a job that feels like it doesn't have a purpose, as a believer, that doesn't bother me because I believe my father has a purpose for me no matter what purpose it seems like I have on this earth, right? I live with eyes of faith. I live set apart from the world. I don't live for what the world lives for. I don't see my life the way the world sees this life. And therefore, I'm not drawn into the ways of the world to chase things like money or sex or power or fame or leisure or achievement or whatever. I'm not pulled into that because I'm not living for that because that's not who I am. I am sanctified. I am set apart from that. I live in it, but it doesn't live in me. How does God sanctify us? What did Jesus pray in verse 17? Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus says we are sanctified through the word. That is a way of referring to this right here. What you have or what we put up here, the words of God through the Bible. When he says to sanctify us through it, it doesn't mean if I were to hand this Bible to someone, sanctify them through the word. You take it. Now are you sanctified? You have it, but you're not sanctified, right? It's not what he's talking about. I hope that they have a copy of the Bible. I hope they have 10 copies of the Bible in different versions. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that the word of God would get into me. Not just knowing about Jesus's message, but living it. Not just having a Bible, but using it. And when Jesus says the word, your word is truth, what he's referring to is what he referred to early in, the, in this prayer, the message and the teaching that Jesus brought his disciples throughout his ministry. It's very all-encompassing. Clearly in the gospels, the highlight is the, the grand good news that Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am chief. But he also showed different ways to interact with the Old Testament law than, than they were doing. He talked about promises of his return and judgment. He kind of encompasses from the beginning to the end. He speaks of people in the Old Testament like Adam and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David and Solomon and Elijah, Isaiah, Jonah. He speaks of all these Old Testament people, basically verifying that they are real people and then telling us that we need to learn from them that these are the people of God who went before us. In a very real sense, Jesus' ministry was reflective of the revelation we have gathered through the whole Bible. As a matter of fact, the apostles, Peter and Paul especially, used the word, the phrase the word, to refer to all the scriptures. So when Jesus says the word that you gave me, he's not just talking about the things that he said in the gospel, he's talking about the word of God that we hold in our hands. And he says, sanctify them through that. What are we doing this morning? We get together and we open this up and we say, Spirit of God, take this into me, right? Take this into me. That is a sanctifying process. That is a setting apart process because we go out into the world and the world preaches at you. They don't call it preaching, but they preach at you, don't they? All the time. They preach at our kids. They preach at our friends. They preach at our home. They preach at us all the time. So I've got an influence that I'm saying, that's not mine. 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 Oh, look at that right? So we gather and we open this up and we say, yeah, that's not the world I'm for. 
This is the world I'm for. This is the foundation of how I live. Jesus says, I sanctify myself. I set myself apart. What is he talking about? He set himself apart for what? To die. To be a, a, the, the messenger of life for the kingdom of God, his purpose on this earth. While all others scurry around for the stuff of this life, even so-called spiritual people in the time of Jesus, Jesus lived for the eternal kingdom. And he lived ready to choose what no one else would have considered that God Almighty would give his life for the lost and rebellious so that they could be forgiven and receive eternal life. He set himself apart for a mission, for an eternal purpose, and for eternal hope, and for eternal life. So for us, if we're set apart like Jesus is, that means that while everyone else gets tied up in complaining or seeing all the ways life is uncomfortable or hard, we are people who see our moments and our days and our weeks as investments into eternity. That's what we live for. So here's my question to us today. I think we're, we're modeling it right now. How can you live sanctified in this world? I don't know that I can apply it for every single person. I know this. When we get together on Sunday morning, it is a model of what we're talking about. There are a lot of people in this world doing a lot of things on Sunday morning that aren't this. But we choose this. Because we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We are set apart. And we recognize as human beings, some of the way we can live set apart is by gathering together and focusing our minds on the word of God and prayer and worship and fellowship so that we can hang on to who we are. That we can live set apart. And certainly it has actions attached to it. I can't live set apart and go live into the things that they say are fun. It has implications like living humble, living generous, living kind and peaceable, not turning to immorality of any kind, not letting the world's logic be the guide for my life, but turning to God and saying, God, what do you think? Be honest in my life, no matter what it costs, helping other people as a regular practice. It's something we just talked about on the stage and something we're gonna talk about this month. A regular practice. Some of the way you're sanctified is you choose to serve regularly, on purpose, in ministry, serving other people. Instead of being served, which is what the world tells you is where it's at. Get someone to serve you. If you had enough money, you could have enough service, they could do all for you. No, we as believers live for a different kingdom, so we go choose to serve. So we sign up for a spot and we say, instead of me coming to church saying, what am I going to get from church today? You want to talk about sanctification? What am I going to give today at church? That's a whole different world, isn't it? This is how we live sanctified. We live for different values. We live with a different definition of hope. And we live entrusting ourselves to the only one that we believe can save us. There is no doubt we are to be a changed people. I guess the question as we close today is just this. What does God need to change in you? It all comes from being set apart like Jesus was set apart. Living for a different kingdom and living with a different power and a different identity than this world can live for. Let's ask God to do this in our souls. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning we lift our hearts and we thank you for the way that Jesus set himself apart so that we could be saved. I pray today that you would help us 
to follow him. That you would teach us what it means to be not of this world, to be sanctified by truth, to be protected from the evil one. I pray that you would teach us what it means when you prayed that our joy would be complete and that we would live into that. So Father, I ask that your spirit would pour out a work in your people that is undeniable, where the light will shine in dark places because we live with hope that never fades, that never shakes, that is always there and lets us share it with the world. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.